episode of fantasy football with gumbo uh by this point you probably know who it is my name's ja hey it's dugo what's up y'all we got more content more fantasy football and for a lot of us we probably just had a draft over the last few days probably been roster baiting for the last 48 hours hell yeah dude and we actually got football this week hell yeah by the time you hear this we will be approximately i don't know a few hours before the Bills and Rams Thursday night opener to the NFL season. Dude, I'm juiced up for this game. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. And so this episode, we're going to wrap up all the divisions. We're going to, matter-of-factly, start off with the AFC East and the Buffalo Bills. Bro, we didn't even plan this. That's great timing. You're goddamn right. So, first person to come up. And I think it's reasonable to say it's probably Josh Allen, right? Hey, dude, this guy is on his way to becoming not necessarily like the GOAT. Like, let's not get too all hyped up yet. But this guy is having a start just like Patty Mahomes. Like, this guy is basically just missing the Super Bowl. Probably one of the favorites to win an MVP this year. If you draft him in a redraft league, you're probably looking at the second round if you're lucky. I mean, I've heard some people reaching up and getting him in the first just because they think he's going to be the number one scorer, which why wouldn't you want to have that on your team, right? So in the Superflex, Josh Allen very popularly will go off the board, you know, one of the first two picks. Facts. Uh, going into this year, uh, like Dougal said, a lot of people are taking him earlier in drafts. So you might have seen some of your friends take him in the second round. Uh, if you got him in the third round, I consider that a good value. Yeah, but 100%. He, he has all the potential to end this season. And almost every season as the highest scoring player in fantasy football. Mm-hmm. So by getting him on your team, you're getting a guy who's going to go ahead and steadily get you 30-plus every week. I think this Thursday uh, against the Los Angeles Rams, he he could easily give you over 30 fantasy points. Yeah, I don't see why not. And would you agree that he, I guess, he should be your odds-on favorite to win MVP? I mean, odds-on, yeah. I, I don't see why not. This mm-hmm. guy, obviously, like you just said, at least from a fantasy standpoint, this guy's going to give you everything. I mean, the guy also has a rushing aspect to him that is unseen. Like, this guy is larger than Patty, so he's not afraid to take those hits. Patty Mahomes. Like, this guy is dank. Like, this guy is everything that you want in a fantasy quarterback. Just a little too sweet for me to take him in the second. I understand a lot of people who do it, and, like, it's a great pick. Like, but sometimes, I don't know, I just like to take my quarterbacks a little... A little later. later. You know, I think I can get, like, the same upside with, you know, I don't know. Like, not necessarily the same upside, but just losing a couple points. Yeah, there's a good enough replacement value to where you can wait. Exactly, man. So, nah, man, but Josh Allen, great. If you're taking him in the second, that's awesome. Um, Yeah, man, I think that this guy's going to be great for you this season. Another person I think is going to kind of feed off him is Stephon Diggs. Everyone's kind of already taken him, I feel like, in the first as well. Like, this guy is pretty crazy. Like, when it comes to getting drafted right now, I feel like he's going, like, borderline end of the first. Like, it's pretty sick. So, would you, do you think that him going off the board as the fifth best wide receiver is fair? That's I would good definitely value. say so, especially with his quarterback play. I don't see why not. Like, that's the two things you want to look for. You want to look for someone who's showing consistency. 
and you want to have someone who has good quarterback play, and this guy has both. Like, regardless if it was on Minnesota, regardless if it was in Buffalo, this guy is dank. He's a true baller. He's a true one. I mean, even when you're looking at, like, a Gabriel Davis, who is going to be a sweet little asset to him. Whoa, calm down, Jamal. Don't pull out the nine. Like, to the Bills, <laughs> you know, like, he's, he's not Stephon Diggs. Like, Stephon Diggs damn near could go for, like, 16, 17 touchdowns this year. Like, he can have, like, a Devontae Adams type year because he doesn't have, like, a true number two on that team. Who scores more touchdowns between Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis this year? I definitely think that uh, Stephon Diggs will. I think that Gabriel Davis is going to have a hell of a year. I think he'll probably damn near get, like, ten touchdowns probably. I so, mean... So you got Stephon getting more than ten touchdowns? Stephon, I think, is going to get, like I said, like, damn near around, like, 16, 17. Like, I think he's going to have, like, a Devontae Adams type year. This guy is going to go off. Wow, okay. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it just seems like this is the least amount of, like, true, true competition that yeah. he's had, like, as, like, I don't know. Like, and he's also separating himself. And Josh Allen yeah. and him have so much more of a connection, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think that if you're looking for someone who's going to be going absolutely off and is mm -hmm. going to, you know, have some more value just because of his quarterback, yep. Stephon Diggs, I mean, he's a one. So there's some of you listening at home, and you just listen to Dugo, and what you're thinking is, damn. 16 touchdowns is kind of a lot. Yeah. Last year, Stephon Diggs had 10 touchdowns off 163 targets. Had about 103 catches. But that is an important statistic because it tells you that he's going to get all the opportunity in the world. And so if he continues to see that heavy target load, we all know that he finished last year as wide receiver eight, and we're all kind of down on Stephon Diggs a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like people were kind of doubting him, saying like, is he really who we think he is? We consider that a, a, a down year. I think he's aware of that. I mm -hmm. think that he wants to see a leap in statistics. Uh, I think he wants to be respected and he wants to be taken seriously and be considered on the same platform as a Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, names keep going. Mm -hmm. I expect for him to obviously lead this Buffalo Bills wide receiver room in all statistical categories. But Gabe Davis is somebody who a lot of you probably went out and got in like the 6th, 7th, 8th round in your fantasy drafts. Not a terrible value there at all. But a lot of his value is going to come off of touchdowns. Like, that's kind of what we've seen historically. I, I don't know if he's the kind of guy who's going to be like a PPR monster, but he'll have his big plays. Better standard league play than PPR play, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I think he's going to have, a obviously, a inclined role from last year. Mm -hmm. uh, last year, he had a pretty decent season. I mean, he ended as wide receiver 57, which isn't the greatest. But nonetheless, the guy still ended out having six touchdowns. And the year prior, seven touchdowns. So, yep. he's consistently around that range. And if you think he's going to be getting more targets than... 63 like he did last year like i damn near could see this guy be up near towards like the 90 to 100 range with targets a completely unrelated question and it won't have anything to do with what you just said perfect would you rather have as a running back duo devin singletary and james cook or would you rather have Ramondre stevenson and damian harris i mean from like a complete like football standpoint i i think overall i'd rather have singletary and cook Ooh. I personally would. Give me Damien and Ramondre. Why is that? So, I think that Ramondre, out of all four of those bags, has the highest ceiling. Really? Yeah. I think his physicality, I think his versatility with his skills and what he can do in catching and running. Um, I just think he profiles as 
most alpha out of all four of those backs when you include Damian Harris, James Cook, and Devin Singletary. Man, I I mean, I can understand where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, I just think that if you're looking for someone who has the most upside, I would say it's probably James Cook. James Cook is an absolute beast. Like, we've only seen, like, the tip of the iceberg from what we've seen in Georgia. Like, we have no clue what this guy can do as a standalone running back in the NFL with a scheme that is favored towards him. Dude, you know what's going to be really funny this year? What's odd, dude? James Cook might just go the fuck off and be a league winner. I think he has a possibility to do so, man. Like, this guy is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if he's at least, like, integrated into the scheme quite yet to be a true, like, one on a team. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you want, like, a decent flex play on most weeks, I think that James Cook definitely is that. Do you think that Ramondre is a better or worse flex option than James Cook? Well, I mean, if you want to look value-wise... I would say that Ramondre is going to probably give you a little bit more production. But if you want to pick James Cook a little bit later, I mean, he's still going to be like that second running back in a scheme. Mm -hmm. He's probably going to get you about the same points. It's probably not as consistent because it's more of a passing offense. Mm -hmm. Um, So overall, I would rather probably have Ramondre as, as a flex. But I wouldn't feel bad having James Cook either. My pick, what about would be, you? my pick would be Ramondre. Yeah. Because I feel like the second year in that offense, you, you know it like the back of your hand by this point. He's going to go ahead and get additional opportunity as opposed to what he got last year. And it's perfectly within reason that he could finish as a top 30 back. I think James Cook realistically could have some big weeks, but he's probably going to finish somewhere between that 20 to 35 range in running back rankings. Well, one thing that no one's really been talking about this offseason is that uh, Belichick has said that they're actually integrating a brand new offense this year. So, like, it's completely new from what we've seen before. But what you've said about Ramondre, I think he has all the skill sets that uh, Belichick would want. He's a st- like bigger, stockier back and t- definitely oh, yeah, break gonna... tackles and definitely still has a little bit of speed. They're going to pound the ball. So I think that, yeah, he's we're probably going to see a lot of running with this. Um, if you look at the uh, assets that, the, that they have at uh, wide receiver, they have uh, Devontae Parker, who, I mean, he's a run-blocking wide receiver if I've ever seen one. And then you also have, who else? Like Tyquan Thornton, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, just like a kind of a shit show. So, honestly. They're good I'm, receivers. They're I just don't not know explosive. I'm, I'm just not targeting anyone, any of them. Like, if I take Devontae Parker, like, if he falls to me, like, in, like, the 10th, I'd probably do that, but I don't know if that's really happening most drafts. Well, keep it in mind that by the time viewers are going to hear this, it'll be the first day of the football season. Right. For those people who took investments into Kendrick Bourne, into uh, Jacoby Myers, into Tyquan Thornton, do you think those were good investments that they made, or do you think they're going to regret that down the line? So I think overall, they're going to probably not necessarily be fa- in favor of those investments. I think that overall, these guys are going to be flex plays at the most. Do you think the Damian Harris buyers are going to be happy? Yeah, so like what you were kind of saying about them like pounding the ball, I think that both these running backs are definitely going to get favorable outcomes from this. Yeah. Like, I think that, I mean, if they can withhold the lead because of their defense just being stellar, mm-hmm. you could see them running the ball more. So mm-hmm. that's just why I think that these two definitely could you know, see like a higher outcome, like almost an output that we'd see, like not necessarily like we'd see like with a Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb duo, but like I think that you can kind of see like the same type of duo with this. Yeah, 
I can see that. And, you know, the Patriots running backs, they're always, uh, it's always kind of like a game of Russian roulette with them. You take one, you hope they pop off on the same weeks that you choose to play them. And sometimes you get production, and most of the time you're left kind of by the wayside. Uh, but they're not the only running back duo in the AFC East that I think is important. We got one in a bigger city, New York City. Hey, if you guys are enjoying the episode, do us a favor and go ahead and give us a follow on whatever audio platform you're currently streaming on. It goes a long way towards supporting the show, and it lets us know that you guys enjoy the content. Uh, back to the episode. Michael Carter and Brees Hall. The New York Jets are a team that's on the rise. They've invested a ton of draft capital into that offense. And two players that I think stand to benefit a lot from the investments they've made in the offensive line the last few years are Michael Carter and Brees Hall. Oh, definitely, dude. Like, I am super high on both these guys. More on Dynasty than -hmm. probably Redraft. Um, I just think that right now they're kind of in still the rebuilding year, the Jets are. Mm-hmm. But I think that these two definitely still have value. I mean, if you want to take any sort of like blueprint of what uh, sort of offense they're going to run, it's the 49ers. And all they do is run with their running backs, pass to their running backs. I mean, they still have some dogs at wide receiver. Like, they have Elijah Moore, and they also have Garrett Wilson, who I think might not be a dog this year, but definitely has all the probabilities in the world to be a dog because that offensive line just isn't quite finished yet i think that there are going to be a lot of checkdowns, especially in this first week with uh joe flacco being that quarterback i think that he's definitely like one of those safety quarterbacks he's not really going to try to bomb it down the field so you can see a lot of checkdowns like that. That all. If you have a Jazz player, please don't play in Week One. Yeah, I. I mean, I have Michael Carter. I took him in our draft. Yeah. I'm, I'm not playing him this week. I have all the upside that he's. You know, hopefully he gets like a twenty burger, and uh, he's sitting on my bench. You know, Listen, that Joe, I'm happy. Joe Flacco was a great quarterback back in like 2012, but it's 10 years later. Like he's a backup <laughs> to a second year quarterback for a reason. Right. Right. That's yeah, a, you're not wrong. Yeah, I don't. I don't love any Jets player in that game. But for the season, I think Michael Carter has the highest PPR upside for any pass catching back in the AFC East. And I think Brees Hall, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, if he can, you know, learn the offense, start getting his reps in and, you know, starts to find a flow, he has the highest ceiling of any running back in that division. And so I really like the Jets running backs for maybe deeper down the season. Week one, not so much. If you have them, fade them, sit them. You shouldn't be starting Garrett Wilson. You shouldn't be starting Michael Carter. You shouldn't be starting Brees Hall or any of those guys week one. Um, Maybe Elijah Moore. Potentially Elijah Moore. I can see him in a flex. But it's just nasty. It's gross. There's too much unsurety, and you're going to have a backup quarterback starting week one against a team that's going to come in, you know, trying to make a name for themselves as well. Right. It's, it's, It's a tough start. No doubt. But lastly, off the Jets, I don't have anything much else to say. I don't know if you want to. I mean, if we're talking long-term Jets, I think that a sneaky second quarterback could be Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, all that being said about uh, unsure offensive line and everything, I think that he does just have a lot of natural ability. 
And like we said, with his uh, with his assets that he has to throw it to, with Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, these guys can make plays, which mean that the quarterbacks still get value from the points that they make a play off of. Yeah. So if you just need like a quarterback to fill in for some week, and if he has you know a decent matchup, let's say like he's going against like the Texans, which I don't even know if they do this year, but nonetheless, if they're going against a lower defense, this guy could make him kind of look foolish. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I'll just throw that out there, but I think we should probably head down to Miami. Miami Dolphins probably have one of the most electrifying, explosive, but question-filled offenses in the entire NFL. No doubt, dude. Yo, all offseason, we've been dragging Tua for his practice throws. We've been dragging Tyreek Hill for everything he's saying about Tua in comparison to Patrick Mahomes. Mike Kosecki's coming out and apparently reports are saying that he's unhappy. Mike McDaniels apparently isn't really black. There's a ton going on. We have no idea what's happening in Miami. Uh, But we got players that probably fell to some of your teams and now we got to discuss them. Yeah, dude. Well, if we're talking about someone falling to one of us, Jalen Waddle fell to me. And honestly, I'm kind of happy with the value that I got him with. Where'd you I, get him? So, we're in a 14-team league, and I got this guy at the end of the fourth with the 414. Okay. I think that's pretty decent value, man. Like, I'm not going to count what number uh, wide receiver he went off, but nonetheless, I have him as my wide receiver, too, right now. And, I mean, if all the indications are that Tyreek Hill is spreading out the field like we think so, it means that Jalen Waddle is going to be unprotected like he wasn't last year. Yeah. Which, I mean... Like we've been saying, is he going to see maybe a little bit of target reduction? Yes. But he's probably going to be able to do a lot more with the targets that he's getting. So I just think that with me right now, I think he's probably going to still see about like 10 targets a game. Like I think last year he was seeing probably around like 15 or so. So probably a little bit of regression with that. But I just think that he's going to be able to still get his tutties, stuff like that, like and as far as the running backs on their team, not to get off track right away, but I honestly would fade just about all of them just because I think it's going to be kind of like a 49er or a Patriot scheme of where you don't really know which running back is going to really pop off. Mm-hmm. Like, they have Raheem Mostert. I'm not sure if he's still on the team or if they dropped him. But, I mean, like, he's a really good running back some weeks, but then he actually is fucking off and getting, like, zero points. So the issue with Jalen Waddle is that he gets a ton of catches, but he has a really low like yards per target. Well, it's because he's getting double covered and stuff. Like he'll catch anything, but once you have like two uh, defensive backs over top of you, you can only do so much. There's but, more inside stuff, right? Like right. there's more ten ten yard curls, like slants. Yeah, so he's just getting tackled right away. But if you have Cheetah on the other side of you now, stretching the field. Yeah, you can have you know like he can actually break a tackle rather than just getting covered up right away by two and not being able you know to break out of that. You think Waddle gets more than 104 catches this year? You know, I probably see him more towards like 95. But I think that, you know, like, I just think he's going to be able to do a little bit more. Like, so he had 140 targets last year. Like I said, I think he probably gets around, like, I don't know, like 120. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just a little bit of reduction. But, I mean, the yards per, you know, I don't know. I think his yardage can go up. He had just over 1,000 last year. I think he could probably get around 1,200 this year. 
Like, I I just think that he's going to be able to do a lot more, man. Like, he's going to be able to just break away. Like, he's pretty fucking fast. But, like I said, he just got tackled right away because there was no other real threats out there. Yeah. See, my issue with that offense is Tua. Tua and the two years that he's been starter, obviously, you know, that first year he only played so many games. Last year he only played so many games. So, he's not necessarily always available, though only last year was because of injury well last year there was also all the controversies as well that we're hearing about now with brian flores maybe benching him because he was going to make an extra 100k something like i like there's all that stuff to consider as well but nonetheless tua tua has 27 touchdowns in two years he has 2600 yards as the highest passing mark in those two years Mm -hmm. even if my man sees let's say uh 30% 30% increase in yardage, mm-hmm. right? You're talking about him hitting maybe 33, 3,400-ish yards. Right. Which is almost the standard to even be a top 10 quarterback for fantasy. Yeah. If you got Tua, you're kind of down bad. If it's a super flex, and I can understand it as a QB too. Um, but he's somebody I'm not really big on. Tyreek Hill, I'll keep it short. He's a cheetah. He's a dog. He's a monster, but I don't want him. Right. He very well could lead the league in yardage this year. Um, but there's just too much self-respect in my body and in my bones to sit around and watch them struggle with Tua and struggle with underthrows and struggle with bad passes and struggle with questionable play calls. I just don't want to deal with that shit. No doubt, dude. I mean, my biggest thing is that I feel like with Jalen Waddle, he's going to be getting a little bit more like of those shorter passes. So I don't know if the, uh... I don't know if the accuracy is going to be as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just my biggest thing. I think that Jalen Waddle, I like I said, I got him at the end of the fourth. I think that's just good value overall. You know, if he can pop off a week or two, maybe I can trade him for something else. Who knows, man? Like, it's just one of those things that I think right now, at least in that position, it was good value. Uh, one more question for you. What's up, bro? Do you care about Mike Kosecki? Uh, honestly, I've been fading him ever since he had those comments about him not getting any, like, targets or anything in practice. Like, what you do in practice is what you are going to do in the game. Like, it's as simple as that. So, with him not getting much for targets, I just think that they're either, you know, just not necessarily favoring it, which would be weird because he's coming from a 49er system where, where George Kittle is one of the top receivers are on the team. So it's just a little interesting to me, but right now I am currently fading him. Uh, I want to take it down to the NFC South, and I want to keep it in Florida, and I want to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers behind TB12 uh, going into his 45th year on the planet. Yeah, dude. Right now, I'm not sure what I feel about this team. I mean, they've been having so many injuries on the offensive line that are long-term. Like, mm-hmm. It's not just short stuff. Like They have what, like two starters that are already out for the year. They lost another starter in free agency. I think another starter retired. Like, this team is just, I don't know. Like, I don't really trust the team with an offensive line like that as of right now. Yeah. Um, But nonetheless, if you look at the wide receivers that are on the team, it's pretty dank. Like, yeah, Mike Evans, who, I mean, he just, he does Mike Evans. Like, if you want someone who's consistent, that's kind of him. He's like the Keenan Allen of Florida. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Chris Godwin, I mean, yeah, he's coming off a ACL tear. Um, but right now, the first couple of weeks, maybe you're not, 
you know, playing him as your wide receiver two or wide receiver one. But you could definitely have him in your flex for sure. I think that this guy is probably going to see 70% of the snaps, I would say, the first couple weeks. And then once he gets fully, fully in there, probably around like week five or six, I think he's a safe bet to have there as their wide receiver too. You think that's all cap in the wrap, or you think that those are actually some pretty good strategies for the folks? Um, I think that's a pretty good strategy. I saw a post from a guy who is a fantasy football analyst. Oh, shit. Okay. So, if y'all ain't on Twitter, if y'all aren't in on fantasy football Twitter, it's a fucking world. It's crazy. There's hot takes raining from here and there every 15 minutes. And uh, there was a guy who said something along the lines of Chris Godwin would, uh, you know, Chris Godwin would have been drafted ahead of Mike Evans this year if he was healthy last year. You know, I don't doubt that. I mean, I know I had that take before about uh, Keenan Allen still being the wide receiver one on the Chargers, and I still believe that's true. Um, but honestly, at this point, I could par- I could probably see Chris Godwin start to take that uh, next step over Mike Evans. So, I mean, right now, you Chris Godwin's kind of a steal in most drafts. He's going, what, towards like the 6th, 7th? Yeah, so... Right. And he's plan- He's on pace to play in week one. Right. So when you're listening to this, if you have Chris Godwin on your team, he could get eased into week one. But the plan as of right now sounds as if he'll probably go ahead and be active in that game. Right. Now, when you want to bring it back to just overall trajectory between those two Tampa Bay receivers, though, and I'm talking about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. when I'm comparing those two and who's better and who I would rather have, I personally go Mike Evans... Yeah. And the reason I go Mike Evans is because of that ADOT. So the average depth of target for Mike Evans is always going to be much larger than Chris Godwin's. Okay. And he's a red zone threat because of his size. Right. Mike Evans is a 6'5 alpha X receiver. Mm-hmm. So his touchdown potential and his average depth of target, even if Chris Godwin sees a little bit more target volume, I think that Mike Evans edges him out on yards almost every year. Right. And, um... You know, that's been the case every year. I think even in that year where Jameis Winston went just nuclear, mm-hmm. um, Chris Godwin might have finished ahead of uh, Mike Evans, but it wasn't about too much. No doubt, man. So, Chris Evans had 14 touchdowns last year, dude. That was a Mike career Evans. high. It was a career high in touchdowns. Yeah. You know, he's going into going into his ninth year. He's 29 years old. I just think right now, it's probably as good a time as ever. I mean, like we said... If it wasn't for Chris Godwin being hurt, I think that Chris Godwin would probably be the one this year. But nonetheless, with him, uh, with with Godwin being hurt, I think that Mike Evans definitely gonna be the one on this team. But one thing I want to know about you, or from you, or what your thoughts are, I, I have some worries about Leonard Fournette. Can you either calm my nerves, or do you think that you should be in a sell mode with this guy? What's your worry with Leonard Fournette? Well, my biggest thing is just, like, his age. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there he's already had some, like, down years and stuff. And, yeah, like, he's shown that he can still get it done. But, like, to me, like, it's always just, like, kind of worrisome. Like, I just feel like he's always had, like, that number two running back to be there to kind of save him with, like, Rojo, shit like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, right now they just have Rasheed White, which... He's dank, like, but he's just a rookie. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't know if I can truly trust that. And, I mean, especially like what, with, I talk, with what I talked about earlier with their offensive line, like, it's just more and more uncertain. Mm-hmm. I would say 
Leonard Fournette's probably going to see regression from where he finished last year. Right. Where he finished as the RB6. Okay. Now, I do think that behind Coach Todd Bowles, they're going to run the ball more often. I do think that he could see some regression in, uh, you know, targets and catches. Mm-hmm. So I could see work going out to Rashad White to get him integrated into the offense. Right. If Leonard Fournette had 69 catches last year, I could see him going down to that 50 mark. Okay. But I do think that in rebounds, uh, his rushing work could increase. So he had around 811 rushing yards last year. Under Coach Todd Bowles, I do see them running the ball a lot more often, especially with an older quarterback. Okay. And I can easily see Leonard Fournette making up that difference in pass catching on the ground and rushing. So when you break it down, 200 more yards is more valuable than, you know, 15 catches Mm -hmm. and let's say 75 yards, right? Um, And a half PPR per se. Full PPR, you could make a difference the other way. When you when you get those 200-plus rushing yards, that's 20 points on the board in most leagues. Mm-hmm. And um, that could keep him around that low-end RB1 tier. You obviously worry about health and all that other stuff, which we have no control over. Mm-hmm. But if things were to stay as they are and he remains healthy, I don't think Leonard Fournette finishes below RB12. No, okay. Okay. So, spit it to me straight, dog. If I'm just a casual listener, if I'm just a casual fantasy football player, would you feel safe taking a Leonard Fournette in like the second round? Um, no. No. Okay. I'd go get a wide receiver one. Okay. Because I'd assume you probably could have. You could go get an RB one in the first round, and you can go get a wide receiver one in the second round, and that's way more upside than having Leonard Fournette, who at his best is a low end one. Okay. But at his worst is kind of a bust for any of the first four or five rounds mm-hmm. so i i don't know i i'd probably go cd lamb or something like that if i had the option for sure but that's just me and that's how i feel about the uh, buccaneers running backs we know the receivers are going to get work we know tom brady's tom brady but another team that is actually kind of on the ass and the nfc south is the new orleans saints yeah dude i honestly i kind of have them as my favorite saint now to win it Really? Yeah. Is it because of Jameis? Well, dude, I do have a lot of confidence in Jameis, and there's still some regret in my heart that I didn't take him in our draft. You like Jameis a lot, don't you? I do, man. Especially, like, what we saw, I, I think his problem was his eyes, and he didn't His work. LASIK, bro. That bro, LASIK keeps coming up. Bro, I really think so, and I really think that his time behind uh, Drew Brees, I think all of that just coming together, I think really, really helped this guy. Like... I don't want to talk shit about the Packers, but he absolutely ripped up the Packers week one last year. Mm-hmm. Like, it showed me a lot of confidence, and the guy was doing it without, like, it looked like he wasn't even sweating. Like, I think he maybe had one sack on him, but, like, yo, like, he made the Packers, and everyone just, I, I was in awe myself as a Packer fan. So, mm-hmm. I just think that going into this year, especially with the targets that they have now, with Mike Thomas, Possibly being healthy. I mean, they have Kamara, who, you know, we'll see where he is in like six weeks after the suit's over. Mm-hmm. But they have Chris Olave, who's going to be an absolute animal. Yeah. And they also have Jarvis Landry, who, mm-hmm. God damn it, if the NFL history shows you something, it's that Jarvis Landry gets his targets, Jarvis Landry gets his catches. And Jarvis Landry is a goddamn good wide receiver. He's a goddamn good wide receiver. That's a fact. So, with all that being said, 
I think that they have four viable targets that you, well, five viable targets that you should be looking at if you haven't drafted already. Or if you're looking for people to trade for, I mean, Jameis Winston typically was going towards the end of the draft. So if you offer like a low end running back, you could probably snag that guy if people aren't valuing quarterbacks in your league. Or if you went undrafted, you know, drop one of the motherfuckers who you just drafted in the 16th round and pick up this guy because he could be a league winner. I suffer from premature congratulations. You know, you got, you know, you got a motherfucker you already thought about dropping. Right, let's keep it a buck. There's somebody on your bench right now that you got as a handcuff that is slated to average projected two points a game. That you're looking at every week and you're like, I could drop this motherfucker. Yeah, after rosters came out, you saw that, oh, this guy is running back three, not two. Yeah. Like, oh, you, shit. You know, you know the fucking vibes. Like, oh. That's what the, you know, that's what we're talking you about, You know the bro. fucking vibes. But, yo, question. Uh, would you feel safer with Chris Olave or Mike Thomas uh, coming out of the draft? You know. For the value that you probably would have had to go get him. So, Thomas went as, like, 66th player in fantasy. Chris Olave went as the 102nd. I honestly would probably go with Olave. I would say so, too. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, man. I think that he's going to be a great flex for you this year. I don't know if he's going to be a wide receiver, too, or anything like that. But definitely, definitely going to see some targets. I could see this guy getting around, like, 90 targets this year. I think he goes for no less than 750 yards. That's fair, bro. I think that's a really good number for him to look at and mm-hmm. achieve. Yep. I mean, they yep. put that first-round capital into him, man. They obviously have a plan for him. He's going to be borderline wide receiver three if you play in a 12-team. Mm-hmm. So he'll be around that top 36 mark. But he's going to be a guy. And Michael Thomas obviously was a guy. Yeah. But we haven't seen the dude get on the football field in two years. And honestly, I don't know what to expect from this motherfucker. Right. Like, well, question for you. I, I just want to get covered up on the Saints here. Okay. Give me your 15-second interlude on Alvin Kamara. I'm not touching Alvin Kamara with the 12-foot pole because Alvin Kamara is in legal trouble. Alvin Kamara is dealing with attorney Tony Busby um, defending the victim in said crime, mm-hmm. alleged crime. And the one thing I know about a motherfucker like Tony Busby is that this is his opportunity. This is his now his kind of claim to fame. And I think that he's going to go balls to the wall to try to get something to happen. He's going to win the case because obviously there's video evidence and uh, there's a lot of other shit kind of going on with it. Mm-hmm. But I think that if he solve the two biggest NFL crimes on behalf of the average civilian, on behalf of the average citizen, that's going to bring his law firm goodwill, good branding, good marketing. Right. But that's also going to make him one of the top attorneys in the country to go to whenever you have an NFL problem. Yeah, that's I mean... big money. So, so that was a little bit longer than 15 seconds. My bad, but that's... I got to get that off my chest because I've, I've been... You know how I feel about the situation. Yeah, bro. Nonetheless, I I, I kind of in the same vibes, feels as you on that. Yep. I'm not really touching this guy as much as uh, fantasy worth value. No. I mean, if I can get him in like the fourth, if people have like the same vibes, mm-hmm. and I, I would take I'd take a I'd take a stretch on that. But nonetheless, the the margin on draft and running backs is so fucking razor thin. Like, the margin of drafting running backs who you presume to be healthy all season is already thin enough, and it comes to within range of 15 to 20 to 25 points all season. Right. But you throw in the additional variable of this motherfucker could get suspended and not play six games? Right. Like, no, you got to drop down my draft board a little bit, like, in Mm -hmm. respect to everyone else. No doubt, man. 
You want to kick it back over to Carolina and talk about Baker Mayfield? What you got for Baker Mayfield? Bro, I kind of have some high hopes for him over there, man. I mean, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold ain't worth a shit, oh. you know. And I actually heard a cool stat today. So when it comes to the Carolina Panthers last year, I believe they're like three or four and all uh, when Christian McCaffrey was healthy. Is so, he healthy? So I, I guess going to this year is a hundred percent, or at least as close to a hundred percent as you can kind of get if you're him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I honestly I have some upside potential for them, and especially if DJ Moore can be healthy throughout the year as well. I mean, we've already talked about him being an alpha in that room, and honestly, in the NFL when. When he's given an opportunity. If you drafted Christian McCaffrey, I hope you went out and you spent the later capital on his backup. I think that DJ Moore is the biggest beneficiary in this offense from the acquiring of, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield. Okay. I think he's the certified one. I think that he's going to be kind of like the perfect victim or I guess the uh, perfect, you know, receiver of those super accurate Baker Baker Mayfield targets. Mm Mm-hmm. Christian super Mc- accurate. Super accurate. We know when Baker's healthy, his arm works. Uh, his shit's, you know, pretty on point. And so I think that DJ Moore is a guy that you want on your team. If you got him on your team, you should feel good about it, especially if you got him in the third or the fourth round. CMC is someone that half of us stayed away from and half of us just fucking dug our claws in and went all in with. Right. We said we ain't no bitches. Well, dude, I just think... So, I ended up not taking CMC. I had the 1-1 on one our draft, and I took D. Henny. And uh, the reason why I faded CMC was because, obviously, just because of his health. I mean, if you can stay healthy, I might look like a jackass. But nonetheless, I just think that CMC could see a little bit of an uptick in his uh, PPR. Uh, just because if they're down and bad, they got to pass the ball. CMC is probably going to be out there catching some balls, trying to make some touchdowns. Loves catching balls. But, nonetheless, I just think he just has that injury factor that I got burnt on last year, so I'm not doing it again. Fuck this shit, I'm out. I feel you on that, and we talked about this in the last episode, but sometimes you have to really, um, you know, trust your risk analysis. Right. Like, you don't need to win your draft in the first round. And, I mean, like I said, most of y'all have drafted by now. Um, but if you have CMC, it's a, it's a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. It's exactly like a lottery ticket. If you hit, you hit big. But if you lose, then you can't really blame anyone but yourself. Right. So uh, that's my take on some of the Carolina Panthers players. I'm not really too invested in that offense. I don't think that there's much to really take from that offense. Yeah. Uh, But the last team in the NFC South that I think we should cover is the Atlanta Falcons, which is kind of more of the same. Yeah, man. I, uh... Just a couple people I like on this team. And I honestly not even a huge fan of them. Mm-hmm. But Kyle Pitts, I mean, if you can have basically a wide receiver at your tight end position, uh, that's great value. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you don't have at least him on your board, you're kind of a dumbass, regardless <laughs> of what the offense is looking like. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things, dude, like we talked about before. It's kind of fucking idiot. All right, no balls. All right, if we're talking right, no balls. Dumbass. Yeah. Yo, but keep it real. Like, it's just great upside for your team. I mean, when you look at what Travis Kelsey can do, obviously they are a better team overall. But nonetheless, when they're passing, especially when they're down bad, I mean, you got to get it to the people who can actually do something with the ball, and that's Kyle Pitts. There's no way Kyle Pitts only has one touchdown this year either. There's no way. Last year he had one touchdown. 
Yeah, that's kind of weird. 68 catches, one touchdown. Yeah, dude. What do you think about Drake London, though? I mean, do you think he only ends up with one touchdown, or? I think Drake London is who we think Drake London is. Uh, if you listen to our earlier episodes, we had some takes on London that you can go back, you know, you can go back and revisit. Uh, he landed in Atlanta, which means he's probably going to have a pretty large target share. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, it's so tough. Just make it easy for the guys and gals out there. He's a, he's a, you can lock him in as like a low end wide receiver three right now. Okay. Lock him in as a low end wide receiver three. You can start him and Just fantasy. based off of volume? Based off of projected volume, yeah. um, draft capital, and what he's supposed to be. Yeah, but I just hope he doesn't get hurt again. I mean, obviously he had that weird ankle issue last year at USC. Mm-hmm. Um, ankles are the worst. I feel like they're almost as bad as knees. So mm-hmm. I just hope that that doesn't prolong any further, and I hope that he's just able to get to 100%. Yeah, he had a knee injury. Oh, um, perfect. Yep, and he wasn't spotted in the open portions of, uh, of, of practice the last couple of days so i mean he's 21 he's gonna see a heavy target share there's no calvin ridley uh they got kyle pitts at tight end he's gonna see work and because of the amount of volume he'll get i think that he should translate that into at least you know low and wide receiver three mm-hmm. production if you got him start him don't overthink it first receiver off the board you gotta just trust you gotta trust nfl analysts at some point you gotta trust the nfl draft people right those are the two people I think you need to care about on the Falcons. Everybody else, you can just kind of say fuck off to because they're not probably going to matter for you at all. Uh, if you're drafting Marcus Mariota, or if you have Marcus Mariota as a quarterback, your team is terrible, and uh, you are probably past the point of return on that. So you're kind of just down bad. I'm sorry, bro. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's not great. Shouldn't have drafted him. What are you doing? Two hours later. And uh, we got NFL football in three days, and I want to talk about some players that we think could have really big weeks. Woo! Jackpot! Yeah, dude. I uh, So, I don't want to be a total fanboy. I know everyone who's listens from our draft is going to be like, Dugo, stop being a homer. But I really think that Derrick Henry this week against the Giants is going to be a huge breakout. Right now, he's projected in half PPR to be around 18 points. Okay. I think that Derrick Henry has all the ability this week to go for about 30, especially if the Titans want to try to integrate this really, really run-heavy offense. Dude. And what better team to, you know, really assert your Dallas against? I mean, they aren't that great on defense. So I can really see the Titans absolutely just playing some smash-mouth football, getting D. Henry the ball, and, you know, running them early and running them often. Guys, we've been doing so much overthinking for the last six months. We've been without football since, like, the second week of February. Yeah. We're now going into the second week of September. Yeah. We've been overthinking analytics and numbers and players and teams and situations so much that seeing an actual NFL game is going to feel amazing on Sunday. Oh, it's going to be so Shit on Thursday tonight. Dog, it's going to be great. I mean, we've had a little bit of taste with, with college football the last couple weeks, but nothing beats, like, the real thing. So, and I think that's important because when Dugo talks about somebody like a D. Henny, like, bro, D. Henny is D. Henny. Like, if he produced in his first eight games he played before the injury. Right. Like, if you extrapolate his stats over what would have been a 17-game season. Say that word again. If you extrapolate his stats over the course from, you know, the first eight weeks he played and just extended that throughout the entire 17-game season, he probably would have been a top 
he would have been, I think, actually the highest scoring running back in fantasy. That's what I'm saying, dog. And I mean, especially after they just reworked his deal too to get him paid even earlier because they know that they're going to be utilizing this guy. Like, it just makes sense to me. Like, that's what went into my thought process with D. Henny. But what about you, man? I know you have a breakout person this week. I'm probably on board with them. Who do you think? Who do you have? Uh, you know what? I think my breakout player this week's got to be Dallas Goddard. Facts, dude. Um, I really like that. Who's he going against? So he's playing the Lions 12 oh, o'clock on Sunday. Dude, what a game to go off So on. after the first beer you crack Sunday afternoon, when you get away from the family and you got the wings ready and you got your whole fantasy league crowded up in the living room, Dallas Goddard's going to be the guy who's going to be coming up on your highlights, scoring touchdowns. I mean touchdowns against the Detroit Lions in the noon game. Jalen Hurts and that offense are probably going to be electric. We know there's been a ton of hype around the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. And while all the focus will be on A.J. Green, all the focus will be on Devontae Smith and how many yards Jalen Hurts runs for, Dallas Goddard's just going to be chilling in the middle of the field, grabbing easy passes against the fucking Detroit Lions, and he's going to score his touchdown, which is already going to put him at the top of the ranks for tight ends, but he's going to have enough targets, catches, and yards to go ahead and help him produce a pretty healthy stat line for you on Sunday. No doubt. Yeah, I can see this guy definitely ending the day with, like, six catches. You know, like you said, that tardy and probably around, like, 50 yards or so. Dallas Goddard, sleeper of the week for week one of the fantasy football season. That ass, man. We appreciate y'all for tapping in with us. We thank you guys so, so, so fucking much for listening to us the last, you know, seven, eight weeks. We've been doing all these uh, divisional previews. We're now done. We're going into the real season. And uh, starting next week, we'll be putting together episodes that more so focus on matchups you need to focus on. Mm-hmm. It focuses on uh, schedules. We'll be talking about injuries that unfortunately do occur. Uh, my name is Ja. Hey, you know it's Dugo. Don't be sleeping on us. Remember, episodes are on Thursdays now. So uh, make sure you uh, save some time for us on your Thursday mornings. Yeah, Peace. All of the rappers put your pride to the side. Try collide with the squad. Turn your mob into corn on the cop. Use a fraud. Use a thorn in my side.